It's the third annual Osprey Awards, the biggest night in niche bird pun-centric episodic podcasting tangentially related to an old football team. Let's take a look at the red carpet, where all the stars are out to play. Why, there's Coach Flynn in his finest eating club attire showing Kirk Cousins what a real wide receivers coach looks like. What's that over there with the feet in the air? Oh, it's Tony Pauline hanging upside down. And look, here comes Chip Kelly arriving in his limousine with New Hampshire plates. Wait a second, where is that valet driver going? Come back! Oh well, let's head inside. It's time for the Ospreys! To your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, Boeing Shield in the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins. Still Bo's old arch nemesis. Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill. It's time to get ill with some birds with friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some birds with friends. Bo Wolf and are coming at you. With stats and things flapping their wings. You can't live up to expectations, so just do your best. <laughs> That's what I tell myself in most life endeavors. <laughs> just go with what you saw today. Okay, yeah. Change your opinion daily. Yeah, I'm all about that. For You'll sure. be wrong often, yeah. but then you can just point back to when you were right. No yeah. one will remember. No That's one's true. listening. Birds and friends, please welcome your host, Bo Wolf. How's everybody doing tonight? I said. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing great. Excited for the pod. Where's the enthusiasm, people? You sound like there's a, a looming pandemic spreading across the country while a craven psychopath in charge actively chooses to make matters worse. Lighten up. Jason Peters is probably coming back. Things will be fine. Seriously, though, it is great to be back on stage as your host for the third annual Osprey Awards. Three is an appropriate number this year as it was the Eagles' third straight trip to the playoffs, their third straight year that ended with Carson Wentz injured, and most importantly, the year in which we welcomed a third co-host into the Birds with Friends family. Give it up for Zach Berman, everybody. And let me be the first to tell you that absolutely, unequivocally, Zach will be back on the podcast next season. Of course, we've also got Mr. National himself, Shil Kapadia in the house, please give it up, give it up for the man who managed to curse the entire city of Baltimore. It was a weird year for the Eagles, wasn't it? Entering the season, it looked on paper like the Eagles had the makings of a Super Bowl team. They solved the need for speed by getting back together with Deshaun Jackson. They drafted a dynamic running back in Miles Sanders. They had six starting caliber cornerbacks and a new impact player on the defensive line in Malik Jackson. Carson Wentz was healthy and ready to shoot down opponents like a flock of harmless turkeys, but that was just on paper, and paper can be misleading. You know what else is on paper somewhere? Alshon Jeffries' extension. Woof! That deal was so ugly I wouldn't have signed it with B. Arthur's pen. Of course, very quickly, we found out that the roster had major holes, mainly that it was so old, it's officially considered at risk for COVID Arthega Whiteside. They dropped to five and seven after an embarrassing loss to the Dolphins in a trip to Florida so full of pomposity and empty promises that the game should have been played at Mar-a-Lago. 
And we joke, come on, the guy's a monster, it's all right. But then a weird thing happened. The practice squad, Greg Ward, Boston Scott, Big Bob Davis, Sua Opeta, the guys who most people never heard of, helped Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson find a new offensive identity, and they rallied to finish the season with four straight wins to win the NFC East. It was a reminder never to count out Peterson's ability to rally a locker room and that Wentz can still be one of the best players in the league. Most importantly, it was a reminder that I was right all along about Boston Scott. We started to think that there was maybe a little bit of magic to this merry band of backups, but then Jadeveon Clowney had other ideas when he speared Wentz in a play that was dirtier than the contents of the folder on Zach's computer titled Belichick Saban Interviews. And so the season ended, despite Josh McCown's attempts at heroics before he left the field crying, like me watching the movie About Time on an Airplane. And then there was that bizarre postseason press conference when Peterson acted like he'd been spending a little too much time in Brian Brayman's college dorm before committing those microaggressions the next day. And so here we sit, days away from the start of a new league year, an election year, mind you. I would vote for uh, Mike Kafka this year if he were on a certain side of the ballot. But before we turn the page, it's time to celebrate one last time everything that happened during the Eagles 2019 season. Without further Ben McAdoo, welcome to the Ospreys. You guys can jump in anytime. <laughs> that was impressive. <laughs> I think next year at the Athletic Summit, that will be what you discuss to the uh, company. Well, it's great to be here. Uh, you know, I, I think the timing of the Ospreys really great here. You know, we're a week away from free agency, just got back from the combine. There's questions about the Eagles first round pick from last year. Uh, we're not sure a lot of issues with the team. So not a lot to talk about. I think it's a great time to jump into the Ospreys and recap a season that ended about two months ago. I think that's exactly right. <laughs> well, you know, listen, uh, we have talked about in the past, maybe we'd get the Ospreys uh, in front of a live audience. We weren't able to make that happen this year. Maybe the fourth annual Ospreys will, uh, will be able to make that happen. But uh, let's, let's start the proceedings. Are you guys ready? The first award of the, of the evening, the best separating player offense. The nominees are Boston Scott, Miles Sanders, Deshaun Jackson, Greg Ward and Jordan Howard. Last year's winner, Nick Foles. Supporting player. What? What is this category? I thought it was. Is it supporting? Yes. And last year was Nick Foles. Uh, you were upset about it last year as well. Oh, okay. I forgot yeah. about that. But I'm you glad don't I say. was. Uh, and I mean, this year, Miles Sanders is a candidate. I mean, listen, you can't get I'm I'm just the I've just got the nominees here. I'm not the selection committee. Chill out. Hey, this part of the show. I air my grievances, okay? That's I don't uh, the, I'm you hearing can say these, that you don't think that he uh, yeah. is eligible because you don't think that you you didn't think that he was a supporting player. Yeah, I think that's a joke that Miles Sanders is in this category. I mean, you know, he, he, he was he, barely played the first half of the season. Yeah, he was a backup, he, but yeah, um, you know. Listen, a, a very a smart 
uh, handsome, bald Indian man may have written a column about how Miles Sanders pretty much put the team on his back down the stretch. So I don't know if that's uh, separating or not. So I'm not going to go with him. Uh, Jordan Howard, I mean, did anyone see that guy after like October? I, I didn't even know if he still lived in uh, Philadelphia <laughs> or not. So he's, he's not making it. Uh, I will go with uh, little Boston Scott. I think he fits the, uh, fits the description of separating player. He really rose to prominence as they were down the stretch. He wasn't the main guy being the main guy, but he was a, a nice supporting guy, flashed, all that. So I think Boston Scott, I feel very good about my uh, selection here. So Bo and I are are doing a uh, seven-round mock draft, and one of the prevailing lessons, this is fairly obvious, is that you can only draft the guys who are on the board. And, and sometimes you're surprised by someone who's on the board. Sometimes uh, you're surprised someone isn't on the board. So in this case, I'm surprised Miles Sanders is on the board. But considering he's a candidate, I will go with Miles Sanders. Mm, interesting. Well, let's find out as I open up the envelope. And the award for best supporting player on the offense goes to... Boston Scott. This is Boston Scott's first Osprey Award, though he has been nominated three times in the past. Has he really? <laughs> yes, three times in 2018. All right, we move on to best supporting player for the defense. And the nominees are Josh Sweat, Rodney McLeod, Craig James, Sidney Jones, and Brandon Graham. I mean, again, Brandon Graham, uh, what is the, really, what is the committee doing this year? You know, I know, um, you know, I, this isn't like a diversity thing. You have good diversity among all the, um, all the candidates here. So I, I know that that's not it, but my gosh, the, maybe the, probably the best player on the defense the whole year. So I, I certainly cannot go with him. I, to me, this is a two person race. Uh, you know, I think it's between Josh Sweat and Rodney McLeod. Josh Sweat performed better than I anticipated, but I mean, let's not uh, let's not gas him up too much here. I mean, this guy wasn't exactly making a, a big impact for the defense. So I think Rodney McLeod is a good one, the pending free agent. I, I thought he had a a nice season for the most part. I thought he played better than he did in previous years. He's not the guy who's going to get all the headlines like a Brandon Graham or a Fletcher Cox or a Malcolm Jenkins. I think he fits the description, and so I will go with uh, with Rodney McLeod. So who remembers when Chan Ho Park kind of served up the ball to Cal Ripken in the All-Star game, in, in, in Cal's last mm, All-Star game? I remember listening to that uh, game on the radio. This this might be Rodney McLeod's last appearance on the ballot. Uh, mm. Maybe not, but uh, for the sake of discussion here, I'm going Rodney McLeod because what better way to possibly go out mm. than with an Osprey, right? Well, we oh, see this all the time. You know, a, a director or somebody doesn't yes. get their due for what they should get their due for year after year. And then finally they get their due just because, you know, the Academy feels mm. it, it's their time. Even and if, the lifetime if it's not achievement. their best work. Yeah. Exactly. The coronation. We'll see if, uh, if the voters agreed. And the award, the Osprey, for best separating player defense goes to... Wow, Craig James! Oh my God, Craig James wins it. He stole that scene. He played one game and he and he forced the game-winning turnover. He was called into action and he stole the scene. Craig James, congratulations on your Osprey. You know, the Academy does this all the time. They don't reward uh, longevity, consistency, one sort of flash in the pan, and you get the award. It's been an issue I've had for years, really, since the Ospreys <laughs> began, and uh, it continues again here in 2020. 
All right, next up we have the Rags to Ostriches Award for Most Improved Player. And the nominees are Dallas Goddard, Matt Pryor, Boston Scott, Greg Ward, and Josh Sweat. Not a uh, a super impressive array of candidates, and I think it tells you a lot about the Eagles that they are uh, they are starving for people who could possibly qualify for a most improved player. Well, I, I know normally we don't go uh, well, well. You do, Bo, but the show doesn't go full politics here. But you know, you had an opening. You gotta. <laughs> it's it's got to be edgy. You want to be talked about the next day, and sort of sort of balance that out. I, I thought uh, a very good tweet that I got from listener Nate Todd. He he quote tweeted uh, mm, something first names. from something from Forbes that said uh, Michael Bloomberg has dropped out of the Democratic primary after spending $528 million and he added me and said incredible use of resources. So uh, <laughs> you, when you, <laughs> I thought that was a very good tweet, which of course of course uh, corresponds to Dallas Goddard being in this category. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with Greg Ward. Uh, I think Greg Ward... I kept waiting and waiting for him to show more during a mini camp, during a training camp. I actually thought uh, he was more impressive maybe last year, two years ago, whenever, uh, during those practices than he was this year uh, when I watched him. But then he comes in, he gets a shot. I mean, that great catch there in the uh, back of the end zone on the uh, contested ball. Everybody was happy for him. And so uh, I think it it does feel like Greg Ward improved enough to be an adequate uh, slot receiver here. I was inclined to say Josh Sweat had four sacks more than Fletcher Cox this year, but I I need to go with uh, Boston Scott, someone who did not open the season on the active roster, finishes it. Really, they don't make the playoffs without him. Finish the season with more rushing touchdowns than Miles Sanders, I believe. Finish the season with more receptions than, let's let's think here, uh, than J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. And Deshaun mm, Jackson, no, for right. that matter. More than, than uh, J.J. and Deshaun combined, if you think about it. Um, so, uh, Boston Scott was a big contributor down the stretch. They don't beat the Giants on Monday night without him. They, don't, they, uh, they were helped in Week 17 because of Boston Scott. So, give me Boston Scott in this category. So, I would make the case that, that uh, and you could, it's not quite the same with Greg Ward, but it's similar, is that I, I'm not so sure we can say that they were improved. It's it's likely that they were this good all along. They just were never given the opportunity. You're saying that about all of them? I'm saying that about specifically Boston Scott, and I think you oh, could okay. say that about Greg Ward, but hmm. maybe less so. So who well, did the committee go with? Well, that's true. You know, now that I'm rethinking it, I'm not going to try to change my change my choice because I don't think you should do that. But looking at who was coaching <laughs> him, I don't it's think ho- you should do that. <laughs> it's very hard for me to believe that Greg Ward, uh, once he got under the genius of uh, the the people who were mm. coaching him this year, just uh, really made a giant leap forward. So I think that might be a bad choice by me. But let, let's see what you got. Well, the award for Rags to Ostriches goes to Josh Sweat. Mm. Josh Sweat, who the one who actually probably did improve uh, based on what we had seen in uh, the spring and summer versus his on-field performance. And then the uh, position coach who got fired after improving. <laughs> <laughs> really Be careful with the term. <laughs> Really been an outstanding offseason. I mean, everything, yeah, everything, really just, everything has really just made a lot of sense so far. <laughs> Bo, be careful with the term we. 
I'm, I'm not sure he's. Uh, That's right. He, he, he yeah, yeah. So, more than we for you, are, if you yes. already thought he was the second coming of Daniil Hunter, <laughs> and then you would not think that he was improved. Uh, next up, we have the Come Black Swan Award for Comeback Player of the Year, and the nominees are Carson Wentz, Brandon Brooks, Darren Sproles, Vinnie Curry, and Sidney Jones. Hmm. Zach, you want to take this one first? I've been hogging the first answers. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, I will go Brandon Brooks. Um, now, come back, maybe not in terms of performance, because I think his performance was relatively consistent. He, the injury occurred, obviously, in the final game of the 2018 season. But um, in terms of what he came back from and the time frame with which he came back, I am going to go with Brandon Brooks for this category. I think I agree. I think that is the right choice. It's probably been underrated uh, what he did to come back from that injury, as you mentioned, so late in the year and then to be back and play at a high level and look like his old self. Uh, I, I think he definitely deserves it. And the award for a comeback swan, comeback player of the year goes to Brandon Brooks. Mm. This is his first Osprey Award. I believe we have four first time Osprey Award winners so far tonight. Heck of a suit there, Brandon. Wow. Yeah, he's uh, looking good. That looks like uh, Taylor made it to Mari Seville, if, uh, if I'm reading it correctly. Neely's mm, looking like Taylor Mays. He's so yoked up. Okay. Uh, okay. Next up, we have the Kaka Too Good Award for Best Performance by an Opposing Player. And the nominees are last year's winner, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who went 27 of 39 for 365 yards, three touchdowns, and a 113.7 quarterback rating in the win over the Eagles. DK Metcalf, who had seven catches for 160 yards and a touchdown and the game-ending catch against the Eagles in the playoffs. Stefan Diggs, who had seven catches for 167 yards and three touchdowns, plus a few rushing yards in the win over the Eagles midseason. His quarterback, Kirk Cousins, once nominated as Grouse of the Year with a two, 22 of 29 passing for 333 yards, four touchdowns, and a 138.4 quarterback rating. And finally, Jadevian Clowney for committing assault. <laughs> I am going with the Kalen Zacharias Metcalf. Wow. Uh, and, Whoa. And, this uh, guy came prepared. Okay. Mm. I, his first uh, Ospreys, but he's ready. <laughs> uh, because of the of the significance of the game and, and not just, you see, we're not just talking about the performance itself, but what the performance signified. And with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside on the other sideline, uh, what D.K. Metcalf did that game, show the Eagles uh, – what they missed in the second round of the draft, also how much of a need the cornerback is, especially with the deep ball. There were so many implications to that performance, so I am going with the Kalen Zacharias Metcalf. You know, if I were betting on this, and maybe we can make this happen uh, next year, a little partnership with DraftKings, uh, I would certainly have Ryan Fitzpatrick as the favorite. So you can't gamble on that, but if you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. Wait a minute. Bo, did you say... Oh, wait a <laughs> You're reading the wrong one. <laughs> Listen. Oh, my gosh. Ryan Fitzpatrick gets people in the mood, too. 
Wow, what an all-time Ospreys moment there. You know, not only did I get the wrong ad read, but I knocked my headphones off because I was uh, <laughs> laughing so hard. So I have no idea what you just said. But, you know, I do think that the uh, after parties uh, with the Ospreys, they tend to get um, a little bit wild, I will say. And uh, if you were to no, guess no, on average... Right. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week maybe. Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you know, maybe uh, later this evening, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com birds for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com birds for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Okay, so my reference there did not really make sense, but I will go with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You can't really expect me to know uh, some of these games that happened earlier in the year. I didn't even remember <laughs> that they played the Vikings. I mean, so I, I don't know what you're doing there. Uh, but man, Fitzpatrick, I remember that game. I did not watch it live. I watched it the next day, and he was just picking them apart, left and right, knowing who to attack, throwing contested catches, whatever. And it's just been two years, uh, two times here we've seen in recent memory where he's torched them. I'm going with Fitzmagic. Mm, split decision and the award for Kaka Too Good goes to Ryan Fitzpatrick, his second straight award as the Kaka Too Good. I, I liked your argument, Zach, but uh, Fitzpatrick's in attendance tonight, so we all want to see what he's wearing. And I, I also think on the heels of the Roman ad that uh, Fitzpatrick was probably more appropriate. Uh, that, that, that's probably so. I think uh, the right, host next. is biased toward Harvard Elite. Mm, could be. Mm, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, following up, the flip side, the Kaka You Suck Award for worst performance by an opposing player or coach. And the nominees are Luke Falk, who went uh, 15 of 26 for 120 yards and two interceptions, was sacked nine times for a 37.3 quarterback rating. Uh, the man they call Mr. Biscuit, Mitchell Trubisky, 10 of 21 for 125 yards and a 66.6 quarterback rating. That's scary. Dak Prescott, 25 of 44 for 265 in the, you know, uh, NFC championship de facto game. And he missed a couple wide open throws. Uh, we also have Kalen Balage, three carries for zero yards for the Dolphins. And finally, Matt LaFleur for his red zone play calling against the Eagles in week four. Berm, go ahead. Yes, I'm going with Luke Falk on this one. Um, that was as as bad a performance as I have seen, although really we should give it to the <laughs> Jets' offensive line because mm. the offensive line really was the issue there. But it, it reminded me of the 2017 game against the Niners 
when C.J. Beathard played so poorly that the 49ers went out and traded for Jimmy Garoppolo the next day, basically. Uh, so the, it, it was uh, – it was the worst performance a quarterback played against the Eagles this season. So Luke Falk. I would agree with that. Uh, I didn't remember that they played the Bears last year, so I can't go with Mitchell Trubisky. I don't remember uh, anything about that game. Kalen it Balazs. Was the, it, was, it was the game right before the bye week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember anything about Jordan it. Jordan Howard had a big game. Yeah, there was a lot of excitement. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly don't remember a lot of excitement. Definitely not. <laughs> uh, Maybe the market did well that week, and that was the, uh, yeah. that, that was the reason for it. Uh, Dak Prescott, you know, I think he was uh, injured during that game, so I'm, I'm not going to count. Uh, I'm, I don't feel right, right picking him. Uh, Matt LaFleur, that's a nice touch right there, but I think uh, Zach that's has it right. Touch. I think it's got to be Luke Falk. I mean, you know, for my um, for my columns late in the year when a quarterback would play terribly and I would look up how terrible it was compared to others, I could never kind of get them above, like, these two games that Luke Falk had. Like, there were nobody <laughs> whose numbers could be worse than that. So it, always, it would always, you know, it's great when you can write this these the worst uh, net yards per pass play of any mm-hmm. quarterback this season. And I could never do that because it could never be worse than Luke Falk. So for that... Uh, go to hell, Luke Fogg. No, just kidding. He might be a nice guy. <laughs> Did he like, break his leg after this or something? Yeah, no, or, I don't know. Where was that I, I hope he's doing well. That, that was an old reference for new listeners. <laughs> if you're related to Luke Fogg, I didn't mean anything by it. I don't want this to overshadow the yeah, whole like show. Like the guy in my mentions yeah. tagging Iman Marshall because I made a joke about him uh, giving bad answers on the uh, on the character yeah, test don't last do year. That. Like, what are yeah. we doing here? Yeah, don't do that. Luke Fogg, I'm sure by all accounts... Uh, is a great guy. I don't know. He might not be, but whatever. Uh, I will go. I will go with him. <laughs> and the Osprey for Kaka You Suck Award goes to Luke Falk. Mm. Congratulations to uh, the entire Falk family. Uh, well, next was up, he talking we... about Luke Falk's left tackle from college at all? Chuma Idoga. Oh, from college. <laughs> from college. Mm. Yeah, I'm maybe. Yes, Luke Falk should get a shot in the uh, XFL, though, right? Sure. I don't know, but you—I uh, yeah, mean, you—you I mean, you, you said it. You said he's injured, so I don't know. I well, yeah, but that could have been—that uh, could have been Simeon too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right, next up we have the Chicken Little Award for the best short-lived storyline of the season, and the nominees are Orlando Scandrick Trader, Mike Groh is coming back, Malik Jackson defensive savior, Deshaun Jackson solves the offense, and finally Andrew Sandejo exists. I mm. will go with uh, Mike Rowe is coming back because mm. the Malik Jackson, Deshaun Jackson, you had a few months to discuss that one. Uh, the Skandrick one still had legs in all or nothing, but uh, Mike, the, the, the Mike Rowe storyline lasted about 24 hours, if that, right, before the news came out. So Mike Rowe had the, uh, had the vote of confidence for one day. Hmm, that's a tough one. He might have talked me into it. I was originally going to go Scandrick. That did have legs, although Mike Groh did kind of have legs too because we're, mm, we're still true. we're still true. talking about it. So I don't know that that was short-lived. So if I'm going by the definition of the award, I think it would probably, uh, you know, I don't remember the other uh, choices you had here, so I can't say whether those are the two important not. ones. 
Well, I think uh, it might have to be Deshaun Jackson. I mean, that was short-lived. Mm. That was one week, really one half. I mean, we're talking about one half of a game where he is just lighting it up, and you're thinking, wow, this is going to be great the whole year, and you never, uh, you never saw it again. We might not, uh, we might not see it uh, again. Who knows? So I'll go with Deshaun Jackson. And the award for best short-lived storyline of the season goes to... It goes to Orlando Skandrick. Hmm. Bad job. Well, I would say. I mean, well, really, it's you got def- to define these awards better. The award is not shortest lived storyline, in which case it would be micro, but it was the best short lived storyline. I think we all enjoyed the Orlando Skandrick drama. It's not short lived, it's long lived. You were asking players about it after uh, the last yeah. game of the season. I guess that's right. How about that? You didn't think I'd remember that, did you? <laughs> got a little no, nugget. Definitely got a little, not. <laughs> got a little nugget from Nigel Bradham. What do you call him? A snake? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, he called him a snake. That was that was weeks, months after the fact. Mm-hmm. Bad All job right. by the Academy. Well, really disappointing. The Academy get makes these, no get, apologies. Really, I'm not trying to be an ageist, but uh, get these old people out of here. And the next Come thing on. you know, you're going to be complaining that uh, we give an award to somebody with subtitles. <laughs> this is America, after all. Uh, I, uh, I by the way, uh, I, I don't think that's going to be made. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. So the person who was, uh, who was probably most pleased with the microdevelopment was Frank Reich. In Frank Reich's public comments last week, he uh, he gushed about the addition of Mike Rowe, called him one of the best wide receivers coaches in the NFL, and explained mm-hmm. that him and Chris Boward uh, went into the owner's office and wanted to reshape the staff, wanted to shuffle the staff around just to open a role for Mike Rowe. Uh, I, I found I found Frank's comments on on that particularly interesting. That is interesting. Well, he did uh, a great job as the wide receivers coach, yeah. even with the Eagles. Absolutely. Uh, all right, Zach, this is your opportunity to discuss that player. We have the award now for the Rook of the Year. And the nominees are Miles Sanders, TJ Edwards, Sua Opeta, Anthony Rush, and Andre Dillard. <laughs> uh, so this is obviously Miles Sanders. There is, uh, there's no close second here, which is a bad sign about a draft class that had three of the well, well, three picks in the first two rounds. Uh, Andre Dillard, who uh, is obviously a point of discussion right now, and I just want to say regarding Andre Dillard that, and, and we discussed this a bit at the Combine last week, but no spin is possible. If Jason Peters is the left tackle on week one, that is an indictment on Andre Dillard's development. I don't, uh, you know, as as great a career as Jason Peters has had and as much respect as as anyone in that building can have for him, if Andre Dillard is not starting in year two, and I'm going to have something later on the amount of, uh, of tackles who've had the weight, of first-round tackles who've had the weight, uh, it's a very small number. So if Dillard's not the starting left tackle, that's a bad sign about his development. No other way to put it. Oh, good. I was I was actually uh, thinking about looking that up, but now you'll you'll be doing the work for me. I am interested to. And he's not a young guy either. He's already twenty five. I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. uh, You know, with the Andre Dillard, Jason Peters situation, the the tape, the film, our eyes, watching live, whatever you want to say. Anyone who watched, I think Andre Dillard's three games as a starter at left tackle. You know, I don't think anybody watched that and thought, wow, this guy looks like a complete disaster. He's not ready. 
He's getting crushed out there. Were there rookie moments? Yes. We, we've been saying from, we said from the beginning of the year that strength was an issue. I remember specifically on this podcast saying, you know, the bull rush can really get to him because he could kind of get knocked over. He still has good feet. He's still athletic, all those different types of things. So let's say that this continues the way it looks like it's going. And I can't believe I'm going to have to buy you two clowns pasta physios every freaking week for next mm-hmm. season. So if I'm especially critical of the organization, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that that will probably play a role in it. I won't. Uh, I, I won't even try to hide that. But so let so let's say this goes the way of bringing Jason Peters back, and he's starting, and they give you the spin. Oh, you know, Peters played it really well last year. Not first of all, not true. Uh, I I do not that it, I do not agree with that at all. And second of all, yeah, you know, do we still believe in Dillard? But uh, you know, he just needs to do this and this. It's a great opportunity for him to learn under Peters. That is all garbanzo beans, and it would be especially alarming to me because it would signal that they see something behind the scenes, uh, whether it's, um, you know, I don't even know what it would be, you know, uh, mental makeup, coach, I mean, you could go in a number of different directions. It would all be speculation, but the point is it would not be due to Andre Dillard's on-field play for those three games where they looked at it and were convinced, you know what, this guy's not ready because that simply is not the case. So it would be something much more alarming. And that to me uh, makes it even worse. I mean, you traded up for the guy. You had other options. We thought it was a reasonable move. Other teams around the team liked him. And now it's almost like you're pretty much going to be giving up on a first-round pick who you traded up for in a key draft. And and that is, yeah, that that there's no spin that could uh, make that there's anything nothing. other than a huge indictment on the uh, organization and the decision-making. It would be insane. It would be it would be I mean, it would be crazy. It's and, and it's it's either a a ter- it would either be a terrible indictment of the the drafting process or a terrible indictment of the coaching staff and probably both. Uh, so you guys you guys touched on it uh, already, but it would be it would be nuts. Well, it's very confusing because if there were, you know, one coach who I would say, if a guy's having issues, this guy is going to get the most of him, it it would be Jeff Stoutland. He has the track record. That room, you know, you have guys, Peters and and Kelsey and Brandon Brooks and Sayamalu, you know, it seems like such a good group to be a part of where guys would really be trying to show you support and uh, get the best out of you and all those different things. And that's what makes this really confusing. And and if it is like something with, um, you know, whatever the intangibles, the makeup, it's very confusing to me because, you know, I did the story on Andre Dillard and, you know, called around to people who knew him well. And no one was really the people close to him were not giving you the spin that, hey, this guy's just, you know, comes in and has been a, you know, a great. He's, not a, con- te- he's not a concussion uncle. He's no, he, yeah. he's had if you look at it, every level. High, you know, I think even before high school, he first started playing high school, college. Like he had very rocky starts at all those places, overcame them, and then became a very good player at all those spots. He, you know, I think it, it was his mom who said football chose him. He didn't choose football. Like these were calls that if a reporter could make those very easily, then you know the scouting staff was getting the same type of intel. And you always weigh that. You say, all right, well, you know, that's fine. I, you know me, I'm always on the side of good. You know, the guy doesn't have to be like this crazy football obsessed person to be a good player. And I still certainly believe that. So I think it's a topic we'll... Uh, continue to report on and discuss but um 
it, it is just sort of, a, it feels like they're in a baffling position where any day now we're going to hear that they're bringing Jason Peters back and then we have to decide, you know, where to go with that information. And the award for Rook of the Year goes to Miles Sanders. As Zach said, no surprise there. This is uh, Miles Sanders' first career Osprey Award. First of next many, up, I would say. Yeah, up and most comer. likely. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have the Ugly Duckling Award for the person who most surpassed expectations. And the nominees are Boston Scott, Greg Ward, Jordan Howard, Vinnie Curry, and Josh McCown. Boy, you're, you're really trying to push Vinnie Curry into these categories, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know how many pairs of Jordans he owns, by the way? Man. I mean, is he just going to be in every category? Like, who is it? The soap star Susan Lucci? Is that who it is? Did I get that, did I, did I get that. that right? Okay, yeah, you yeah. got that. Okay, she was just always like a nominated but never won. It seems like that could be yeah. his, uh, his destiny in the 2020 Ospreys. I mean, you're just throwing mm. him in there on every category. Uh, let's see. Now, who, remind Remind me, who in this group has already won an Osprey? I know Boston Scott won one, right? Uh, Boston Scott has won one. Greg Ward has not. He has uh, not. Jordan okay. Howard has None of the other. Only Boston Scott has, uh, has won an Osprey. Okay. Uh, I will then go with uh, Greg Ward. I don't have to get into it uh, in depth. Sort of <laughs> <laughs> I don't th- Trust me, I know nobody in the audience wants to hear that right now. So I'll just say Greg Ward. Yes, I will go Greg Ward, too, and the reason I'm saying it's the surprise is is because uh, he had been turned down so many times. If you just look at the career transaction log, uh, when they re-signed him after the stint in the AAF, you're thinking, okay, okay, it's probably just a training camp guy, and then all of a sudden he's he's your top wide receiver option come the playoffs. So uh, I will go with Greg Ward. And the award for Ugly Duckling goes to Greg Ward. Congratulations uh, to Greg and the entire Ward family. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have the Bustard Award for the player who most underachieved. And the nominees are Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, Fletcher Cox, Nigel Bradham, and J.J. Arthega whiteside Zach, go ahead. Uh, I will go with Nelson Aguilar here and the reason I'm going with Nelson Aguilar is because uh, contract year really had the opportunity after after Deshaun went down um, they they needed him he's been reliable in the past and just underachieved more than I think uh, they certainly anticipated when they brought him back on, on, on the fifth year option last year and, and, and really hurt his, his, his free agency so I will go with Nelson in this category. I would have to double check this, but I believe Aguilar previously had a couple 60 cash seasons. Mm. <laughs> that he did, 2017 okay. and 2018. <laughs> he did. I thought so. Uh, I don't think I, I. This one's an easy one for me. I'm saying Fletcher Cox. I mean, mm. where was the where was the guy before the you know a uh, game here, a game there? But um, you really saw what he could do in that playoff game against the Seahawks, and it was just missing week after week after week after week. Um, So I think when you look at what a player's ceiling is and what he actually achieved last year, uh, I will go with Fletcher Cox. And the award for Bustard of the Year goes to... Nelson Aguilar. Oh, my God. Terrible job by the Academy. This is Aguilar's second 
uh, Career Osprey. Next up, we have the wait, wait, wait. What did he win it for the same category like a previous uh, no, year? No, he won it in 2017. I don't know exactly what he won. Last year's winner was Golden Tate. The Grudge Hatch Award for uh, Best Beef. The nominees are Malcolm Jenkins and Orlando Scandrick, Coach Flynn and Zach Berman, <laughs> Philadelphia against Jadevion Clowney, Nelson Aguilar and his hands, and Doug Peterson on January 8th versus Doug Peterson on January 9th. <laughs> I thought uh, you were going to say Doug Peterson and Jeffrey Lurie. Maybe I, I thought about that, but uh, <laughs> the votes were split, and they just went to this one instead. Okay, Zach, go ahead. Well, I can eliminate. Um, I can e- eliminate Coach Flynn and Zach Flynn because <laughs> there's no beef, at least from my perspective. Uh, he so gave you the retweet I, the other day, so now things are all, all yeah, kosher. That's right. That could yeah, be breast. That, oh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, listen, how some long of these, do you think some it of these dresses? You know, some of these dresses. Are, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, yeah, they could be best, like bounce back or best rebound or something. Mm. Uh, would be uh, Zach and Coach Flynn. All right, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so. I, I will go with, with Malcolm Jenkins versus mm, Orlando Skandrick, uh because it gives me 30 seconds just to share a funny behind-the-scenes story with mm. our, our readers. Uh, Bo and I pair up uh, at the end of each, each week on the cheat sheet, as our, as our readers know. And Bo was tied up that that night, wasn't going to get around to it later, and uh, and so I started writing something. It was it was almost like a news report of of what happened with Scandrick and Malcolm because we were going to address it. And Bo says uh, says, "No, I I I have an idea for doing like a timeline of this." And then I read the next morning when it comes out. And it's it's like the day football was invented, the day Orlando Scandrick was born, um, the day Matt. So it was a as as you expect with Bo, it was a it was a creative entryway uh, to to flexing his mind. So so I thought uh, I think yes, I was at uh, I think I was at a Nats playoff game, if I remember that correctly. That sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. Sounds like you you could you could have shared that story at the summit there, Zach. You know the difference between Bo and every you know everybody else. That's a that's a good anecdote. I don't think Bo needed to be gassed up anymore than he already was. <laughs> yeah, you know I was I've even I, I've even been thinking more and more about this. You know, like Bo, who called you about you know hey the athletic has an opening. For like an Eagles writer, I mean, I don't know. Did that just land on your desk there, or what was it? You think I had to? You think I had to give you that shout out? I give you that shout out, by the way, like every listen, time I talk to people. So listen, I don't care about talking. I'm not worried about talking to people. I'm worried about when you got the decision makers in the room and you're I've at said a summit. That to you know? the decision makers, uh, I listen, said that to a guy in the room the other day. Listen, I'm just talking about when the spotlight's on you. Everybody's watching. All right. I heard from a source at the Washington Post that their sidebar to the athletic article was supposed to be on the emergence of Bo Wolf. So. Mm. <laughs> he, he was I'm just unavailable. kidding. I'm just kidding, by the way. I, I would never use source uh, as a joke. So He was unavailable. I would never only. use uh, – Zach will joke about a lot of things, but he will never joke about a source. <laughs> Let's get one thing. Let's get one thing straight. That is a bridge too far. I just spit out water. By the way, as we're saying that. Uh, okay, uh, and the award for. Oh wait, did uh, I? I don't. I don't no, think oh, yeah, I chose. Wait, wait so who, who did who did Zach choose? 
He said Skendrick and I agree with that. I I thought that, I mean, that was pretty, uh, I I was down at Novacare that day when we were watching uh, Skandrick just light the entire Novacare complex on fire, (laughs) including uh, Malcolm Jenkins and then Jenkins. uh, What did he say? Well, he had a good comeback. He said, we don't need MFers like that in the room. Mm. And I said, I know that's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the award for best beef, the Grudge Hatch Award goes to Malcolm Jenkins and... Orlando Scandrick. Congratulations to them both. They will uh, split the trophy. Hmm. Next up, we have the Golden Fruit Dove Award for player with the most juice. And the nominees are Boston how, Scott. How far along are we here? Are we almost finished? We are not almost finished. Uh, we better be more than halfway <laughs> through. We are just about halfway. Okay. Uh, Boston Scott, Carson Wentz, Deshaun Jackson, Miles Sanders, and Rick Lovato. Most juice. Say the names again. You were a little quick there. Boston Scott, Carson Wentz, Deshaun Jackson, Miles Sanders, and Rick Lovato. Uh, you know, I don't like when one player dominates the awards, but it's—I mean, it got to be Miles Sanders. I mean, that guy had all, all kinds of juice there down the stretch. That's an easy one for me. I'm—I'm uh, I'm going with Carson Wentz. He had juice in his game this year, and. He has a lot of juice in the building too, as we might see in the next. Few mm, that's an interesting twist. I, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't uh, look at Carson Wentz and think juice. Me neither. Uh, me neither. There are a lot but of we'll great things the, you can we'll, say about him, but okay. We'll see what the voters say. And the nominees, or and, and the award goes to Miles Sanders. Congratulations mm-hmm. to Miles Sanders on his second Osprey Award of the night. Uh, next up, we have the Beautiful Fruit Dove Award for the game with the most juice. And the nominees are the Packers Thursday night game in week four, the Patriots game in week 11, the Cowboys game in week 16, the Giants game in week 17, and the playoff game against the Seattle Seahawks. I will jump in here. The Cowboys game in week 16, that was a de facto NFC's championship game. Uh, There was a lot of excitement in the city for that game. And they obviously won, so uh, I will go week 16. Well, really, this should only have had three games in it because my attendance at the game suggests Mm. whether there's juice or not. So it really (laughs) should have been the Cowboys game, the Seahawks playoff game, and the other Seahawks game. So, again, just because it's a Seahawks game, you want to go see your old buddies means it gets more juice. We've come to uh, understand that the Academy does a very uh, imperfect Mm. job with some of these selections. But uh, this is very easy. I think uh, it was that Cowboys Week 16 game. I mean, everything was on the line. Uh, That was the season. If they lose that game, we're probably... Probably talking about things uh, even more differently here in the offseason. So I think that's an easy one. Now, looking back at all the games, like the the best game, the most exciting game, the one that will leave you with the best feeling might have been that Packers uh, Mm -hmm. Thursday night game, thinking back to it. But, uh, you know, going into that is how I judge it. And I don't think that was uh, as juice worthy. And looks like the, uh, the Academy agrees. The award goes to that Cowboys game in week 16. Next up, we By have. By the, the way, I, I I have a quick thing to add here. Uh, there's there's no gambling on on the Ospreys this year. Maybe next year, but uh, there is gambling elsewhere. All star breaks are in the past, and teams have their sights set on securing their place in the playoff race. Over in college hoops, teams are jockeying for tournament seating. So much action, 
so little time. And DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, can get you right in the middle of all the action. The XFL is back to scratch everyone's itch for football. Check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app to see what special promotions they're offering on the most extreme league in the U.S. American-made DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. If you download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use code TOSS, T-O-S-S, for a limited time. All new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget, enter code TOSS and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only. The DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only. In partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino, bonus comprised of a first bonus of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match each up to $500. The bonus the deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See draftkings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. For all you seltzer heads out there, I'm working today with uh, a strawberry cucumber from AHA, which I've never had before. It looks like it is a Coke subsidiary, which is, uh, I don't know, not great. My review, a little bit a little bit heavy on the flavoring. Could use a little bit more muted flavor. I don't, right. understand, I don't understand. Do you not buy the, the seltzer in bulk? Are you, do you go to a store and buy one seltzer every day? No, it's like a, well, how, it, no, like a how, pack of eight or, or, or 12. Okay, so how come every time you're buying a different brand? You haven't found one that you like yet? Well, it's if it's on sale or something like that, or it's just, uh, it's just you know crazy it's, it's behavior got, to me. It's got it's got good, uh, you know, fr- uh, like real real estate in the store. Wow. You know, it's, yeah. uh, Plus, I'd like to try a different flavor. Okay. All right. A little bit. Odd. We have the brief turkey award for the worst individual game performance, and the nominees are Andre Dillard at right tackle against the Seahawks. Carson Wentz against the Seahawks, in which he had four turnovers. That first Seahawks game, obviously. Uh, Nelson Aguilar against the Falcons when he dropped the game-winning touchdown pass. Malcolm Jenkins against the Vikings. And the combination of Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills against the Miami Dolphins. Mm. I'm going to go with the uh, with the combo platter there. I like that. Darby, mm. Darby and uh, Mills just getting... Uh, torched up and down the field. You know, I was doing some more free agency research, and I don't. Do love we have a, the, what is our bet on uh, on who gets more money between Darby and Mills? I don't remember what the terms were. I think it was a pasta Was it another? Okay. Yeah. Someone tweeted. Uh, listener tweeted at uh, pasta. Took a picture and said, uh, you know, they had to stop by pasta when they were in Philadelphia because they heard about it so much and I think they went in and uh, the person who was working at Pasta Fit, you know, they told the person and the person was like, oh yeah, Birds something is the, is the podcast. <laughs> oh, I missed so, that. I didn't see that tweet. Yeah, yeah. Someone uh, someone tweeted that. You know, what I really need to do is I need to win 16 individual Pasta Fisio's bets against mm, each you of you between now and the season, uh, now that Jason Peters is most likely coming back here. Uh, but I, anyway, I was going to say, take target numbers with a grain of salt, but if you looked at percentage of snaps like that they were targeted, that you know how they were on the field, uh, Ronald Darby and Rasul Douglas were the two most targeted cornerbacks in the NFL last year. Mm. Well, I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Uh, go with Darby and Mills. I will go with Andre Dillard against the Seahawks because 
the Eagles literally benched him at halftime, which is not something you see very often from them. And the award for Brief Turkey goes to Andre Dillard for his benchworthy performance against the Seattle Seahawks trying to write with his opposite hand. Next up, we have the Wally Pippett Award for Best Injury Fill-In. And the nominees are Greg Ward, Andre Dillard, Boston Scott, Matt Pryor, and Halapulavati Vitae. Hmm. I will go with Greg Ward for this one because they were getting little to no production from their wide receivers, and he stepped in and, and, and gave them some juice. You know, I think it probably – did Ward win one earlier? Did we give that yeah, one to Ward? Ward and Scott have both won one. Okay, I don't know if Ward had a two-Osprey-worthy season, so I know that's not how you're supposed to do it. But you know what? I'm going to give a little love to uh, Halapulavati. Oh. Zach, what are what are his uh, brother's names? <laughs> uh, this is, this is one of your best yeah. facts. I love this. Yeah. I, I think one is Kevin. One, my, I, I, have it, I, I have it written down. And Bob. Um, okay. Yeah, like John or Kevin. <laughs> I, I will look that up right now. It's, uh, it's, it's really, I, you know, funny. Zach is filled with uh, great facts, really, even before the time we were working with him. But I think that, uh, you know, I remember it's, when I first. It's, it's Kevin and Will, by the way. Kevin, Kevin and Will. <laughs> I'm Kevin. I'm Will. I'm Paolo Pulavati. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. That's very good. Uh, I do remember Zach uh, in the locker room. It must have been the Super Bowl year, you know, cr- passing Vitae and saying, like, Hey, Halapulavati. Yes. And I'm like, you know what? This is this is a guy who's going places. You know, he this this is uh, someone whose example I need to follow. But you know, Vitae doesn't get credit. And I'm not saying he played at a Pro Bowl level, but like if you had an injury at right or left tackle, and, or even guard, he played, and you needed a guy to step in and not be a complete disaster. Like obviously, when he got the week of practice, he was able to do that. And I think that probably gets uh, undervalued. So I will go with him. And the award for Wally Pippet goes to, it does go to Halapulavati Vaitai, a parting mm-hmm. gift as he enters free agency. Congratulations. Oh, look at this. Kevin and Will Vitae's. here with him. <laughs> Congratulations, guys. And nice his suits. wife, his wife, of course, who we know from the Super Bowl media night, has lots of respect for herself. Mm, yes, that's right. <laughs> yes. I think Shield, by the way, is, is going to look good when Halapulavati gets paid. Because mm. uh, if you compare Shield's rankings to some other free agent rankings out there, Vitae is, is ranked higher on Shield's list, and I think he will get the last mm. laugh on that one. Yeah, last year Bo did a good exercise where he compared my list to uh, Greg Rosenthal mm. and Chris Westling, two, two people whose opinions I, I very much respect uh, on NFL.com. They do a 101. I think last year they did theirs before me. This year I did mine before them, but Bo, I remember you did an exercise did, looking yeah. at uh, where which players we differed on the most, but um, neither here nor there, you know, now that you're, will, you, 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 have presen- uh, you have presentations to give this year, you know, we can't uh, mm-hmm. burden well, you with that nonsense. That. I just remember, I looked at theirs and I will say <laughs> what did jump out there. They, they did the quarterbacks much differently than you did. They sort of spread the quarterbacks out as opposed to you, you had them based on like how much money they were going to make. Yeah. The quarterbacks are very tough because I am no Jameis Winston fan, but and actually, I don't, you know, I, I'm doing uh, my predictions, and I don't know if I'm going to do top 50 or top 100 for, you know, predicting where mm, each that's a good subdriver going to go. That's a, it's a fun exercise. You know, you look at teams' uh, weaknesses, mm-hmm. salary cap situations, then all that. Then you got to go back through and make sure you've got, like, everybody having at least one guy. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's really yeah. a terrible exercise, but uh, the payoff uh, was worth it. 
last year. But uh, a couple guys I'm having a really hard time finding homes for are Jameis Winston and Melvin Gordon. Mm. Like, who's going to pay Melvin yeah. Gordon, you know, significant money after the way last year played out? I, it's just And Winston, I don't know. There might not be a, a starting seat available for him. Yeah. Maybe Chicago. Maybe Pittsburgh. But, I think that's what but, Peter King mentioned. Oh, that's I th- interesting. I thought, he, I thought he mentioned New Orleans. Oh, oh that's did. interesting, Someone too. Someone else might have mentioned Pittsburgh. I'm trying I to actually, New Orleans I actually, is a good one. Well, I actually thought Pittsburgh was not crazy, but uh, they really don't have a lot of cap space at all. So, I mean, I, mm. I know you can always work around that, but uh, I actually didn't think that one was crazy because, yeah, you know, if um, Roethlisberger gets injured or Roethlisberger's in his last year, then maybe you take a flyer on him. But, I mean, it seemed like last year Mike Tomlin was just like, give me a quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over, which he's, of course, the opposite of. Uh, New Orleans, uh, I think, yeah, I think Peter King mentioned that. That would be interesting, I guess, if they're looking for Drew Brees' successor, maybe a one-year deal like they did with Teddy Bridgewater uh, last season. But, um, you know, these places that have starting jobs open, like if you're Carolina and you just want to, uh, you know, that's not the guy to bring in. If you're if you're the Chargers, I don't, you know, I don't think Anthony Lynn wants a guy who's going to turn the ball over that much. So uh, it's difficult to find a home for him. What about Melvin Gordon to the Patriots? Feels like the kind they, of like it feels like oh we're smarter than everybody we're gonna like this guy's better than everybody thinks like the like uh, the kind of thing that they would do. Would they want to pay a running back though? Well, they're not I mean, gonna, it's have not gonna pay him that much. It's Who's not gonna crazy, pay him? No one's, but no it's, one's yeah, gonna but pay it's still him. something. I mean, it's more yeah. than like you know, it's still you're committing some portion of your uh, yeah. resources. How about the to Falcons? It? No, they they have they have no money. I mean, they have no money. Yeah. Okay. I, I think they're trying to probably, if anybody wanted Devontae Freeman, they would. Well, that's why. Maybe, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's why I'm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next up, we have the Egrets. I've had a few award for worst decision of the year. And the nominees are guaranteeing Alshon Jeffrey's contract, trading a fourth round pick for Jannard Avery, guaranteeing a win and then electing to receive against the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Not calling a timeout on the Dolphins' trick play Ooh. and activating only three wide receivers with old man Alshon Jeffrey out there. This is a tough one for Doug Peterson. <laughs> yeah, there's this two Howies on there. This I feel like this one's really putting a negative spin on the... I mean, they're all legitimate, but it's really like, wow. This is, I believe, the deepest category thus far. I think yes. you could really yeah, make a very so, good case for four of the five. So yeah. it's interesting. I was about to cut in after the first thing you mentioned, Alshon, and I'm like, there's nothing that can compare to that. And then Me you too. read uh, four interesting ones, but <laughs> I'm still going Alshon. That's that's a lot of cap space that they could have allocated elsewhere. I thought Zach might uh, nominate himself for his decision to agree to do this podcast. Mm. As the, uh, no, this has, as been, <laughs> this has been a joy. <laughs> um, you know, to me, it comes down to uh, the Alshon decision and the no timeout against the Dolphins one. Mm, just that was I, I, crazy. And I and the defending I, it afterwards. Yeah, as if that it was, was the right that thing. was it. Well, we knew what they were doing. You know, yeah. yeah. As four people charge towards the guy with the ball and mm. leave a player wide open in the uh, end zone. What what was the? Oh yeah, I love how bad uh, you continue to be about their uh, their decision to receive 
against the Cowboys. <laughs> it makes me so like, mad. I, I, this is one of my, you know, people say I have no joy in my life. I really enjoy when people get really upset over like little stuff like that, you know, because I can really, <laughs> I find myself able to relate. Like the fact that months later that was still in your brain that you could think about that and put it in here, uh, that, that's fantastic. Nice job out of you. But I, I, I think, uh, yeah, the Alshon one was inexplicable at the time. It's had a, you know, it, it's really just turned out to be even worse than could have been imagined at the time. Uh, so I, I think that's the choice here. And the Osprey goes to, it does indeed go to Alshon Jeffrey's contract. Stiff competition, but congratulations uh, to that piece of paper. Uh, before we get to the rest of the awards. Uh, How earlier, many more awards? My God. There's at least 10. Uh, Ten more? To, I'm out of here. Before we get to, to pick up. the awards, what time is your actual out? I'm not telling you. I'll tell okay. you when I got to be out of here. Uh, we had a few awards uh, that were uh, not uh, big enough for primetime that were awarded at an earlier date. Uh, an earlier date. Uh, and those <laughs> were the Nobel Geese Flies for work in the community went to Malcolm Jenkins. The Osprey for Emu Solani Excellence in Performance by a Former Youth Hockey Player went to Jason Kelsey for the third straight year. The Win Some, You Loon Some Award for Thing That We Collectively Were Most Wrong About was uh, this being the final season of Jason Peters' Eagles career. The no, Chirpy- you, guys, you guys took the other side on that. You shouldn't. Well, yeah, uh, but, uh, okay. All right. The championship uh, belt was awarded to Bo Wolf for his roster prediction title. The Goose Almighty Award for Most Evangelical Evil Eagle went to Carson Wentz. <laughs> the You're Only As Good As The Company You Peep Award uh, went to Carson Wentz for his speaking engagement at Liberty University. I the watched Rotten that yesterday, e- actually. Uh, hmm. The Rotten Egg Award went to Orlando Skandrick. The Stork Award for Delivery of the Year went to uh, Jason Kelsey's daughter, Wyatt. Zach, did you know that your daughter was the uh, the winner last year? She is an Osprey Award winner. I don't know if you knew that. I am so proud. Uh, the It's not about the squalls. It's about the dot, 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 went to uh, the fake field goal in Minnesota. The Flyer Flyer Pants on Fire Award went to uh, me, Bo Wolf, for uh, telling people he was going to send them t-shirts to deserving listeners. Still needs to do that. And finally, the Swift Departure Award went to Carson Walsh. You still need to do that? I mean, this is like three years ago. Do you have a list somewhere? Obviously not. Somewhere. Uh, so so do, I, uh, I will save it for the next pod, but I, I watched uh, Carson's speech at, at Liberty yesterday. It was I uh, don't was save pretty, it. I want to hear yeah. what did he what did he talk about? He spoke about religion. Um, he, okay. he spoke about the role it has in his life, how he uh, how he got into it. Um, you know, did he speak about he, hating uh, people and, and uh, saying that people who don't do exactly what he does are going to go to hell. He did not. Because that's what that, that university no, stands for, uh, basically. His his wife came up to the stage. She she spoke quite a bit. It was it was interesting. But they had a game at the end where um, because Liberty is the Eagles as well, and they had Eagles questions questions about about the Eagles, and mm, it was sounds up my alley. And like then that. at the end, they brought out a bunch of Eagles and they shot them. <laughs> no, no, it was it was. But they did show uh, pictures of of. Um, uh, or they just show video of Carson Wentz shooting, uh, but uh, 
but because they showed his his baby reveal. But there oh, okay. were two funny moments there, uh, or, or 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 two interesting moments. First off, uh, Carson was was playing along. These were really hard questions, like like the the altitude that eagles fly, things like that. And nice. he got a question wrong, and the person he was doing it with said, Nick Foles would have gotten that one right. And then the other one was, was they what were was his reaction up, to that? Uh, he, I, I, like, I... Uh, I would say you know Carson. He was pretty polite about it. He he just kind of laughed. Um, That's and, pretty and, funny. And then they were uh, uh, the stakes of the game. They were they were giving Philly cheesesteaks to a dorm room if 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 Carson won. And they were talking about the Philly cheesesteaks. And the person he was doing it with um, said that uh, he was asking about the bread and and he he called gluten free a hoax. He said, uh, "He said, is it gluten-free bread? Gluten's a hoax, or, or gluten-free is a hoax." And Carson chimed in and said, "Actually, I am gluten-free. It's it's a very real thing." Um, so that was what? This sounds like this sounds amazing. That's very funny. I, I, I you can you can find it on on YouTube. I was doing some story research and I watched the full hour, and it was it was pretty interesting. An hour. This was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a little less than an hour, but but yeah, but they, uh, I I mean I was I was jotting down some notes during it, so it took me it took an hour. Time. Oh my gosh! Uh, now who was the was the host a student or like a? No, just, it, I, I don't want to say. It, I mean, I I was gonna say a pastor. It might be. I I, I don't have the official title. That's why I was okay. But it was so like a school official. What they prefer no. to go by. Okay, all right. So I'm, don't say that. Don't. That's not. Right. That's not. No, it was. It was. Uh, I. I, I, I I believe it was a pastor, but I'm not positive on that. So I need to. Um, but it was it was uh, it was an informative thing to watch. Carson was open. His his wife was open. Um, so it, it was it was nice to watch. But that game at the end was had some unintentional comedy involved. Well, I didn't know he was uh, gluten free. Did you know that? I think he did yeah. say that, right? Yeah, yeah. we oh, wrote did about we know that. that? Yeah. Uh, yes. about yes. it. Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. But it was very weird because Carson like wouldn't give any specifics. Yeah. So like it, he was, it was very weird. But okay. anyway, all right, uh, we've got uh, Zach, just counting, We've got we've got Zach, seventeen you, awards left. Hold on, hold on. Uh, well, no, I'm not making seventeen. So choose like your best five. Uh, Zach, do you no one way. do you, one? Do you think Bo will be invited to host again next year? <laughs> Two, do you think he'll still have a job at this by the time everybody listens to this? <laughs> yes and yes. Okay, yes. I, I would. I think DraftKings might uh, give you some good, better odds on that, but okay. Uh, okay, I'll, we'll do a few of these quickly. Uh, we have the Under Their Wing Award for Best Offseason Edition, and the nominees were Deshaun Jackson, Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, Josh McCown, and Greg Ward. Uh, looks like Miles Sanders will win that one. We had the Under Their Wing Best In-Season Edition. The nominees were Duke Riley, Anthony Rush, Marcus Epps, Craig James, and Robert Davis. And that Osprey goes to Anthony Rush. Boy, that's a real murderer's row right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> With um, all due respect. <laughs> we have the you guys can you guys can vote on this one. We have the unnecessary award for least essential player who spent all season <laughs> on the fifty-three man roster. The nominees are Nate Sudfeld, Nate Herbig, Nelson Aguilar, Sharif Miller, and Deshaun Hall. Uh I will go with Nate Herbig on the, on that one. Oh, mm. how dare you? Really? 
Come on. Well, he, at because... gave, he at least gave Bo some good material. That is true. And I, yeah. I, I do think he he's the front runner to be the backup center next year. Uh, that being said, you you do wonder if this was a case of them overrating their own player. Had they cut him, could they have put him on? Like, did he need to be on the 53? Could he have been on their practice squad? That's that's one of those things I, I, I do wonder. I think it definitely comes down to the la- this last two, Sharif Miller or Deshaun Hall. Uh, Miller, you just drafted, so I wouldn't say him. Deshaun Hall, you know, has the good preseason, so I would say Deshaun Hall, but then he doesn't play. I believe uh, that is correct. The award does go to Deshaun Hall because he was a veteran. He was not a guy they were holding, and they still just didn't play him when they desperately needed sacks. Uh, The Pterodactyl Award for Best Performance by a Player 31 Years or Older. And the nominees are Jason Kelsey, Malcolm Jenkins, Jason Peters, Josh McCown, and Brandon Graham. I will go with uh, Brandon Graham. I think I said earlier that uh, I thought he was one of their best, uh, if not their best, defensive player last season. So I will go with him. What do you think the over-under is on iTunes reviews uh, directed towards Bo after this episode? <laughs> I will I will set the over-under at two and a half. Like but by this time, uh, I would say by the time we record our next episode. Yeah, the... Uh, I hope that. I, I mean, I hope we have all listeners, but if you're a listener from Liberty University, I, I apologize. That's, that's not. You know, I have. I, yeah. Listen, don't, they know what they stand for. Don't, don't say that. Okay. Um, I will go with Jason Kelsey in this one. Uh, okay. I think Jason Kelsey had a good year. Yeah. And the award goes to Brandon Graham. Congratulations uh, to the Graham family. The I Will Be Better Award for player most likely to take a step forward in 2020. The nominees are Andre Dillard, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Gennard Avery, Avante Maddox, and Sua Opeta. Yikes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, Dillard, they don't don't want Dillard to play, so that's not a good sign. Uh, Schwartz uh, doesn't want. You could say that's not a good sign. Yeah. Schwartz doesn't want Avery to play. That's not a good <laughs> sign. He obviously was not on board with that move. So I'm, t- I'm taking two out right away. Okay. Who? Suo Peta. Oh. I mean, what do you want me to do with that? So <laughs> that's three out. So who, who does this leave me with? I, uh, I will go with JJ. Yeah, yeah. I guess by default, uh, JJ. Or th- All right, I'll go with him as well. Yeah, I'm going with uh, JJ because I, I'm I'm not ready to say he's he's a complete bust, and I think a different situation here. I, I think he's a guy you can find a role for, and it it, it, it it's not. Uh, I want to give it, this to Sue Opeta so badly. Yeah. It's it's fairly common for second year and third year receivers to improve. So I will go JJ. Uh, I mean, Sue Opeta could literally knock on my door right now, and I would have no idea who he is. <laughs> Yeah, but you'd be scared. He's a big, <laughs> big, strong, powerful man. Uh, okay, uh, the Osprey goes to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. The Exit Stage Flight Award for a player the team most needs to replace. And the nominees are Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey, Josh Perkins, Ronald Darby, and Nigel Bradham. And when you say needs to replace, you mean that they need to upgrade them or, or that spot is really important to yeah, they need to they need to do better at that position. Can this be like a five way tie or? Uh, mm. No, nah, I would say uh, I would go with uh, Alshon Jeffrey if we're just talking about you know, in the scope of starting wide receiver. I think that is the 
position that could uh, that would lend itself to making the biggest impact with an upgrade? I would agree. Number one receiver, they need more production from that spot. And the Osprey goes to Josh Perkins. Congratulations <laughs> to the Perkins family. Number what three tight end. It was so bad. It Give was so bad break. this year. Uh, we caught okay. a touchdown against the Giants. Uh, all right. And now we have a performance uh, of this year's winner for the Songbird Award. Uh, let's welcome uh, our singer to the stage. Oh, no. <laughs> hope. Me said it. Oh. <laughs> I mean, how many hours? <laughs> really, like, how many hours did you spend on this? Like you could have been volunteering, you could have been working on something. I'm just picturing you for like seven hours today. Just on the phone banks. Seated at a Deho come and spears of Ante's dome. This is the last show in history. <laughs> uh, all right. Oh uh, let's go quickly through the, the next set of categories before we get to the big five. Uh, the I'll, I'll just go ahead and give this award. The Canary <laughs> Near the Goal Line Award for the best red zone touchdown goes to Carson Wentz's uh, bullet of a touchdown pass to Miles Sanders, beating out uh, Greg Ward's leaping catch in that same game. Uh, the Pelican Bay, B-A-E, for best BFFs, goes to Dallas Goddard and Avante Maddox, as uh, portrayed by Zach Berman. The Flocker Room Award for best player to interview. The nominees are Brandon Brooks, Jason Kelsey, Orlando Skandrick, Nate Herbig, and Malcolm Jenkins. Where do you guys <laughs> fall? Uh, I, I would go with Malcolm. You're a big Skandrick guy, though. <laughs> yes. Yes, I'd like to talk to the Skandrick. That was great. That that was great. Zach was really ahead of that. That you know, he yeah. was telling us that one time. Skandrick was just standing there waiting for us to interview. <laughs> yeah. we, we we really should have we put should, two, two together. Yeah, we really time. should have figured that out. Uh, I will go. I've always been. Uh, I've always been partial to Kelsey. He's he's been very helpful to me throughout my career. So uh, Brooks was the runner up, but I think for longevity, uh, I would say Kelsey. And the Osprey goes to Jason Kelsey. Congratulations. His second Osprey of the evening. Uh, okay, now we have uh, a good three-pack here. We have the Shields Dovebird Award. And the nominees are Daniel Stern, John Harbaugh, Frank Reich, Russell Wilson, and Sport Radar. <laughs> <laughs> I can't answer this one, right? You guys mm. have to decide. Uh, I will go with John Harbaugh. I, I think uh, as as uh, as much as as Daniel Stern was a a part of of that story Shield wrote, it was really about uh, the culture that Harbaugh has created there. And, and, and the anecdote that I keep coming back to was when he was on Virginia Tech's campus, and he and he was in the cafeteria, and he heard, and, and all of a sudden he's trying to figure out how he can apply that into his own building. Um, so I would go with John Harbaugh. 
By the way, this co-clear of just, you know, you know, assume that the audience remembers every story that uh, everybody here has written, where really many of them right now are very confused, thinking, who is Daniel Stern? Well, go uh, to theathletic.com slash birds with friends, and you can get 40% off, right? That's right. You guys have actually been doing a great job uh, with that, mm. the listeners. You, you've been uh, using that code and signing up, and we can see when you do that. And so uh, we very much do appreciate that. You know, free agency. Throughout my journalism career. It's a good deal. Yeah, it's a good deal. And throughout my journalism career, the uh, NFL uh, traffic and interest peaks during like the next two months and then like again in august those you know unless the team's going to the super bowl obviously but uh march and april with free agency the draft into we're going to be uh, assessing evaluating every single move that they make and so now would be a good time to sign up if you haven't done so yet the athletic.com slash birds with friends and the osprey goes to daniel stern uh, he was once previously nominated for his performance in Home Alone. Congratulations to Daniel Stern. Uh, next up, we have the Bose Dovebird of the Year. The nominees are Jason Kelsey, Sua Opeta, Marcus Epps, Peter King, and Alex Magoo. I'm going with Jason Kelsey because that was a year-long endeavor. I totally disagree. This is a very easy one for me. It's Peter King. He named Bose uh, Story the Football story of the week in his widely, widely read column. Then he gave Bo the follow on Twitter, uh, which, you know, Zach and I are not uh, are not privy to. There was a night in Indianapolis where Bo said he could beat us a little later because he was getting a drink with someone. You know, he gave us the name of who he was getting a drink with. I'm not sure it was that person. I think it very well could have been uh, Peter King. So uh, that that's an easy choice to me. Although in uh, I I was curious about that, Shio, and then in, in Peter King's column this week, I will let you two come week, to a consensus on this one. In Peter King's column this this week, he had his hour by hour schedule on Wednesday, so I was reading it pretty closely to see if Bo was leaving us to have a drink with with Peter, and it was unfortunately not. As was I. Now that only covered one night in <laughs> Indianapolis, so I think uh, Bo got a little lucky. If if uh, Peter King would have chose a different day and night to do his his TikTok, which you know I found enjoyable, uh, I think it very well may have said uh, you know sharing a little uh, tequila soda with uh, one of the great football mm. writers in America. This is up to you two. I, the the academy leaves this to your decision to come to a consensus. Well, I generally don't like to, um, you know, uh, play the um, what's the uh, what's the word? Seniority? I'm looking for? Not seniority, but I, I've been here a little longer, so I need to yield. The... That's literally what seniority is means. Is it? I thought seniority <laughs> yes. means like your uh, like rank. I thought it's like a rank. No, thing. yeah, no, it's it's, oh. it's no, like yeah. first one in, last one out okay. type thing. Well, right? listen, yeah. that that's why you're giving presentations, and I'm uh, sitting <laughs> here in my basement. Uh, <laughs> it's got to be Peter King. I mean, that's easy. All right. Yeah. Uh, now we have the Zach's Dovebird of the Year Award, and the nominees are Eli Manning, Chip <laughs> Kelly, Malik Jackson, Sidney Jones, and Bill Belichick. Hmm. What do you think? I think that uh, there will be chances down the line for most of these players or coaches to be nominated in this category again. I think it would be nice to set Eli uh, off into the sunset with this this award for Zach. I mean, I'll let you make the call. When I heard the names, the the one that screamed out to me, this should be the choice, was Sidney Jones, just because it felt oh. like from the first podcast to the last, that was his guy. You know, he made a couple plays late in the season, but uh, it's up to you. I wish there was Jay Liggins on this list because 
Mm. That, that was my guy. I like that. Uh, and the Osprey goes to Eli Manning. Okay, we've come to the end, the five big awards. Five? five? <laughs> what? Uh, I got to pick up my daughter soon. Let's yeah, start let's with go. The, let's start with the Palm Doriel for best team performance. I think we can go quickly on this one. The nominees are that win over the Packers, that win over the Cowboys, the win over the Giants in Week 14, the comeback on Monday Night Football, the win over the Bills, and the win over Washington in Week 1. I think we can agree that that goes to the win over the Cowboys in Week 16. Mm. Uh, I might say the Packers. And really, terrible job, including that Giants game. I mean, where it's raining and they, they look terrible It was terrible a comeback. It was a Boston Scott game. A comeback against, what, a two-win team? Wow. Well, listen, throw, they throw only won parade. nine games. They weren't, it's, it's hard to come up All with right, five continue. good ones. Continue. We, we got to get out of here. Uh, the Gullet Surprise for Best Play of the Year. The nominees are Nigel Bradham's game-winning interception against the Packers. Uh, the second of Deshaun Jackson's long touchdowns against Washington. No, it's, it's the Wentz touchdown pass. We can move on. Well, what about the Miles Sanders 65-yard touchdown run, just, uh, longest play from scrimmage? Listen, and what about Boston Scott's also, bad spin move? I just told you what it was. Zach? Yeah, I'm with, I'm with Shield here. Okay, that pass Osprey, Carson made was outstanding. The Osprey goes to Carson Wentz. Uh, the gullet surprise for best individual game performance. The nominees are Orlando Scandrick's two sack and a touchdown against the Jets. Miles Sanders, 172 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns in the win in Washington. Boston Scott's 138 yards from scrimmage in the comeback win over the Giants on Monday Night Football. Deshaun Jackson's eight catches for 154 yards and two touchdowns in week one. And Carson Wentz's uh, 31 for 40 for 319 and a touchdown in the win over the Cowboys in week 16. Oh, I, I just got a note from a producer that uh, Deshaun Jackson has just set the record for most nominations by a guy who played in, basically in appeared game. in one game. I believe both football in focused, history. Uh, he leads the Osprey history in, uh, yes, nominations per games played. Yeah, so I, I will go with Deshaun Jackson since he's been nominated for every award tonight. I would agree. Deshaun's first game was outstanding. And the Osprey goes to? Deshaun Jackson. Congratulations. This is Deshaun's first Osprey Award. All right. The last two awards of the night. We start with the Chickadee Defensive Player of the Year Award. The nominees are Malcolm Jenkins, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Avante Maddox, and Rodney McLeod. And, 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 and uh, this is, is what category again? Can you just Defensive that? Player of the Year. Okay. Uh, Brandon Graham, I would say. I thought Brandon Graham was their best defensive player. I'll go with that, too. And the Osprey goes to Brandon Graham. Congratulations to Brandon Graham. All right. We close with the final award, the Emperor Penguin Award for King of the Season. When you think back on this season, this is the person you will think of. The nominees are Carson Wentz, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Doug Peterson, and Brandon Brooks. Hmm, I, will go with, uh, I will go with Carson Wentz. I think the sort of... He hasn't won one, I don't believe. Uh, well, he, he won the play, but... He's won three uh, awards tonight. Oh, really? Well, listen, you don't expect me to pay attention. We've been doing this for three hours, and frankly, even if it were 10 minutes, I would not be paying attention. But I will uh, I will go with him. I think the story of how they got better down the stretch, and uh, you know, he, he was sort of energized by playing with the young guys. If this team goes on to have success next year, I think that would be something we may be uh, talking about. I would agree. I think this season, as as we look back on it, 
It's just between getting that contract extension in the spring, uh, the pressure on him coming off the injury, uh, and then the way he played down the stretch uh, and, and making the playoffs for the first time as the starting quarterback, I would go Carson. Three awards, and huh? Wow. The Osprey for Emperor Penguin Award, King of the Season, goes to Boston Scott. This wow. was the Boston Scott season. I think we all really know that. Congratulations to Boston for taking it home. You called it this summer, by the way. You were all over the Boston That's Scott right. bandwagon. Uh, the last thing that we have, Ospreys-wise, is uh, is up to the listeners. We need the listeners to give us the Nest in Show, the best Birds with Friends episode of the year. Hit us up with hashtag Ospreys. Is it best episode or best moment? Mm, why don't we do both? How about uh, we'll do best moment? That's good. Okay. And leave it in the comments on iTunes or tweet us where... Well, tweet us with hashtag no, no, Ospreys, no, no, no. but put it no, in no, no. the yeah, put it in the reviews. Yeah, no, leave it in the reviews, or you're not, we're not reading it. This is, you know, every okay. other podcaster is doing this trick except for us. Uh, leave it in the reviews. Okay, that's good. I don't want to look at Twitter more than I have to. Give us your nest and show. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Uh, all right, I think that will probably do it for the uh, the Ospreys. I guess we've all we've all got pickup duty to do. Uh, probably not getting back together this week unless anything uh, newsworthy happens. But Zach, why don't you quickly uh, set the stage? Yeah. So next week will will be kind of the last relatively quiet week in a while because uh, start the following week the tampering period begins early in the week. Uh, Wednesday is it is it the eighteenth? That's when free agency begins. That's when everyone can officially But when does sign. the tampering, when does like the, that's that Monday, right? 16th. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. So, so between six, on 16th, they can start talking uh, contracts on, on or, or they can start talking with the agents. On 18th, on the, on the 18th, they can sign. My guess is you'll have a press conference on the 19th of some variety. Now, the Eagles can start making moves next week with, with their own guys if they want, whether it's it's cutting, re-signing. But I think they'll wait for the CBA or, or for some resolution there. Uh, but once that league year begins, my expectation is, is the Eagles are going to be very busy. And then for the whole week after, uh, there will be activity, and then you have the owners' meetings at the end of March, and then that bleeds right into April when we go in the full draft mode. So I, th- I think next week will be the last relatively quiet week in a while. And who's to say it might, like you said, it might not be quiet. We could get a exactly. We could get a Jason Peters resign. We could get a a trade. You know, there there are things uh, trade uh, terms agreed upon, but not official type deal. Exactly. Uh, so that so there are things that could uh, that could happen uh, next week. I think. And then lastly, if there are any listeners who are going to be at the uh, Sloan Sports Analytics Conference this weekend, please do us all a favor and see if you can get a picture of Shield being mobbed by the adoring fans. I mean, this is, uh, you know, you wanted to deflect the attention off your big day, your big week, your big combine. I mean, I literally talked to two people and one That's of them. That's not true. Was, That's not true. One, yeah. One of them was like somebody I knew from the Seahawks and the other one was somebody someone introduced me to. Uh, that's not like, true at all. Oh. There were people on the way in. There were people all over the place fanning themselves. They couldn't believe that Shilkapati was in attendance. Good deflection, but okay. But the Sloan, I, I always enjoy watching all, all, the, uh, all, the, all the Sloan panels, and I will be doing that again this year. So looking forward to it. And the Eagles, uh, the, the head of their analytics department, will be on a panel with, uh, that's Alec Hallaby, with uh, Mike Leach and uh, who's the other person? Uh, I think Teddy Bruschi, you said, right? Teddy Bruschi, that's right. Uh, narrated by or uh, moderated by uh, Mina Kimes. Mm-hmm. So nice. there you go. It's going to be good. 
I hope you'll uh, sit on that one, Sheil. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, well, like any good award show or bad award show, we went long, and that's uh, that's what the Ospreys are all about. And until next year, thanks for listening, and as always, we love you. Friends with friends.